I've left many a meetings by myself or with others. And I've been quiet, and people ask me, Pastor, what's going on? I say, well, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little hurt inside. I'm a little broken. Why is that? Because Jesus took time to show up to help his people. And his people didn't respond to him. I said, it hurts my heart. It hurts my heart. You see, don't take it, don't take for granted uh, the house of God. As Pastor David said, there's got to be an expectancy every time we come together. There's got to be an expectancy of God doing something. And you don't wait till you get here to find out how the atmosphere is before you start expecting. You start expecting. You know what you need. You know what you struggle with. You know, when he talks about putting demand on the anointing, that resonates with some and leaves confusion to others. What happens is, Pastor David knows that, that I'll flow in the gifts, I'll flow in the anointing, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, whatever it takes, whatever it's there, I'm going to yield to it. But you need to draw from God. God, this is what I need. I'm drawing, I'm believing, and I'm believing that the anointing of God upon me or whoever is in this pulpit, the, the anointing of God is going to answer it's going to correct. It's going to align. It's going to bring liberty to my life. You know, I go to some churches, and I can flow so freely in other churches, I can't hardly do it at all. And it all deals with the understanding of how to draw on that. And... Um, I said this about Pastor David many years ago, many, many years ago. I, and uh, I said, he could call me, and I can get things in the Spirit to help him. And he's on the other side of the country. And I got people I pastor that, uh, that, that still struggle. Because his reverence, his honor, his love and respect opens up that anointing to help him. See, you, you, you can't get help from something that you don't trust. Something you don't value. You, 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 you can't get help from it. It's like if people believe that a natural medi a medication, that they believe if I take that, it's going to help me, they'll set their clock to take that because they believe it'll help them. It don't taste good, they'll say, but I take it because it's going to help me. They'll say, I don't like how it makes me feel naturally. I get dizzy when I take it, but I'm going to take it because it helps me. It's going to help me. It's amazing on how the enemy will mess with people when it comes to the man of God and the anointing. They'll say something that they, they don't like, and then they turn it off. People wouldn't do that to natural medication with all the side effects. 
they'll take it because they believe that's going to help me if you believe the anointing of God is there to help you I wouldn't get so worked up so quick over what goes on I would make sure I stayed in a place where that spiritual medication could help me amen I really would I'd stay in that place and I don't say that because like he said he didn't tell me about anything going on or or any kind of problems it's just that I know how the enemy works I've pastored people for years even before I pastored the church I'm pastoring I've pastored people for years around the world I know how it works and so you have to be able to draw from that you got to believe that the anointing is here to help me and it's not just when a guest speaker shows up the anointing is here to help me and as long as you get that uh, it will help you amen it will help you on that hallelujah well anybody been looking at the clock all right that's good just making sure that we're all uh, I was preaching in the uh, church down here on is that church street where the a-frame was and uh, I don't know if it was I don't I don't think it was a regular revival meeting we had it was a meeting that pastor David hosted with the IMA I believe it was I was here preaching that atmosphere was so hard it was so it was I mean it was like taking a pickaxe and trying to get through something Pastor David said I think I'd have just quit you remember that thing here and I just gritted my spiritual teeth and I said bless God I ain't quitting and just kept hitting pounding and pounding away but God broke through at the end of that meeting and it was supernatural it tells me that God does everything he can to help us he does everything he can to help us he'll give people the the grit and the fortitude to keep going to help and all you got to do is open your heart to get it amen open your heart to get it all right uh i'm gonna pick up some some things and see kind of where we get uh this evening i talked about some carnal stuff this morning and and becoming spiritual spiritual amen so turn with me to the book of second corinthians uh we went i mean i'm sorry you you don't have to say amen again but it's it's uh first corinthians second chapter i know i'm looking at a two here first corinthians the second chapter we did chapter three uh, a little bit this morning but spirituality is real i was praying years ago and uh, i don't say this because it's women but it just happened to be women okay there's nothing about me that's anti or chauvinist and women but back back during the day there was the it was very popular back in the uh, late 70s and 80s was an organization called the full gospel businessmen and the full gospel businessmen had an auxiliary of their women called the women's aglow and uh, there were chapters of it in our area and they were some of the most spiritual people that's supposed to be in the church some are more spiritual than the pastors that pastored them uh that was tongue-in-cheek if you want to you want to get what i'm saying and so uh you know uh i went with pastor rothwell who i was under at that time and i went with him and we'd go to these meetings and and uh, these ladies would sit around and put a chair in the middle and gather around and pray and prophesy and <laughs> 
prophesy some more and pray. But there was no depth to their life. No depth. I started way back then. This was back in the 80s. The late 80s. I really started saying, Lord, what's going on? And, I, and the, the Lord began to, to show me. And I saw different women. Most of them are in heaven now. They were kind of old back then. And, uh, and so... Uh, I said, uh, now this is how the word came to me. I said, Lord, I don't understand this. They don't know how to believe for you for this and this and that. They're struggling in life. But yet, in this situation, they're real spiritual. And it came, the word of the Lord came to me and said, uh, they're spiritual babies. Now that, had, that made zero sense to me. Because I believe that once you grow up in Christ, you're no longer a baby. You're mature, or you should be mature. And I didn't even know how to get that. So I, I, I just kind of, I, I got I to pray that one out. Spiritual babies. Well, they learned how to tap into the Spirit by praying. They learned how to tap into the Spirit by being around people that flowed in the Spirit. But they never developed a grounded life because they never developed herself in the Word. And they got confused because they were able to tap in and hear God. They allowed themselves to become deceived thinking they were spiritual people. But when it came to the word of God, they were still babies. And they never allowed themselves to grow and develop in the word of God. And sometimes we can get all messed up with people and we can get all you know, enamored because somebody has a spiritual aspect about them from the natural. But then you'll see parts of their life just jacked up. Because it takes more than just that spiritual side to live a balanced life. The Spirit and the Word must what? Agree. So all Spirit, no Word? You'll puff up. You'll get into pride. Come on. You've got to have them both together to balance each other. Now, the truth is, well, I'm, I'm not finding these kind of people much today where they're so spiritual that way in lack of the word. I'm almost finding the other way where people think that they're so, they know so much of the word and they're still walking in the realm of being confused or deceived by it. To know the word is for to have the word to operate, as I said this morning. I can't, the verse that I, I'll use the same one this morning. If you abide in me, the word abide means to take up residence, to dwell in. And then my word takes up residence and dwells in you. Out of that dwelling in the word of God, out of that abiding, out of that homestead relationship with God, out of that comes the ability to believe and receive. Ask and receive. There's something to that. So I've never got away from that concept of those ladies about spiritual babies. And I believe the last thing God wants in these last days is spiritual babies.
Now, spiritual babies that I always saw it were people just born again. Born again, they're babies spiritually. They got to grow. Babies are selfish sometimes. Babies will cry when they don't get their way. Babies will do things. And then you got how, ad- how adolescents act. How toddlers act. Adolescents. You, get, you see the stage of it. And if you watch people spiritually from the time they get born again, you'll see them go through that kind of stage until they reach to the state of maturity in that. But God wants mature people. He wants people to understand the Word of God and having a knowledge and a revelation of the Word of God. And not just, this is what I believe. Jesus is not Lord over what, what you think. He's Lord over His Word. Well, this is what I think. It don't matter what you think. He's Lord over His Word. He's not Lord over what you think. He's Lord over His Word. And so I, I just want to read some of these verses here. And uh, <clears throat> verse 6, let's just start there instead of verse 1 out chapter 2. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for his glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. As it is written, Now he's going to quote what's written. As it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of a man, of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no man knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things which have been freely given us by God. Now you see the prerequisite here? on what it takes for you to know the things that's been given you by God? I'm going to read verse 12 again. Now we have, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things which have been freely given us. So that means the more we understand how this works, the more we're going to be able to tap into those things that's been freely given us of God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural, carnal, one says natural, one says carnal. How many reading it says carnal? How many says the natural? But the natural or the carnal Uh, Let me find that place again there. Uh, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Why? For they are foolishness to him. 
nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned or understood. So why am I so moved by people becoming spiritual? It's because we've got to understand how God operates. We've got to get, we've got to flush out the flesh things and the carnal things so that we can understand how God operates. Some people come in and say, God spoke to me this. And well, what do you think? I don't think it's God. Well, what do you mean? Because God don't talk that way. That's not how God operates. Well, did you know that by the gift of the Spirit? I know it by the Word of God. See, there's a certain way of God, there's a certain way God does things. And you can judge it by just knowing how God does things. And people said God's, for people's blame things on God. God told me to do this. I'm thinking God would not tell you to do that. It's totally contrary to what he says in the word. You don't even have to be a prophet to know. Because it doesn't line up with the word. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned or spiritually understood. I believe God wants us to understand that which is spiritual. Not the letter of the law, the spirit of the law. For the letter killeth, but the spirit gives life. But he who is spiritual judge all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. So that doesn't, now, now that doesn't mean I'm spiritual, no man can do. That's not even referring to that. For, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Who here has got so spiritual and holy that now you're God's advisor? I think God's done pretty well before we showed up on the scene. Come on, I think Jesus Christ has led his church long enough to know that he understands how to guide his church. It is called the church of Jesus Christ. But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. To have the mind of Christ is to have a mind renewed a mind that thinks, the mind that is adjusted to the ways and purposes of God. You don't get that by just showing up at, at church events. You get that by walking with God. Walking with God. I've had, I mean, bless God, the lady is still, I still know him. She's still close. And uh, people get so worked up in the flesh, and they'll just talk stupid. I got two signs in my office, one over my desk and one over my bookcase. Depends on which way you sit, you got a view of them. That is, you can't fix stupid. And sometime I'll sit there and somebody sit across from me. And you know, people, you're talking to somebody, uh, wherever you look, they'll end up looking. So when things are really going, they'll sit right there. I'm sitting here, the sign's there, I'll just look up. About the second time, they'll look up. You can't cast it out. You can't fix it. But you know what the bad thing is? Is blindness. 
hardness of heart. They don't see it. They'll sit there and argue with you for an hour over what they think, but yet they themselves can't get out of it. And so they're just yielding to the Word of God and allow God to help you out of it. So God, we need to understand the mind, the motive, the purpose of God. I preach it here for years. I'm not the only one that's been all over. I mean, even the Amplified Bible. If you've never heard a Kagan or a Copeland or, or whatever, a Savelle sermon, whatever, if you've never heard any of it, if you've just ever read scriptures out of the Amplified Bible, it'll tell you when you read that word Christ, it gives you in the brackets the Messiah, the anointed one. And then you would know that the anointed one becomes the anointed one because he was anointed by God to do it. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good, healing all that's oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. We understand that that's what that was. So to have the mind of Christ is not just having a mind like Christ. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. It's having that anointing that was upon the anointing of God to be upon you. The anointed one, his anointing to be upon you in that area. So God is looking not only for just believers, Christians. He's looking for holy people, spiritual people, people that are going to trust him and people that are going to live in this book called the Word of God. You know, I, Pastor David is a very strong teacher. Very fast talking, strong <laughs> teacher. So you're better off sometime to listen first and go back and listen again and take notes. You will slow him down. Okay? But you know the good thing about that is you have a man that understands the word of God, the knowledge of God, the purpose of God. The bad thing about it is it can become commonplace to you. That's the bad thing about it. The bad thing is we get so used to hearing it. Like I said this morning, Samuel heard Eli's voice. He heard Eli's voice, even though it was God speaking. And all you've got to do, all you've got to understand is this is God speaking to you. Even though God uses clay vessels, imperfect clay vessels to speak I tell people all the time I'm not perfect you can ask my kids they're honest you can ask Angel my grandkid just think I'm perfect so you don't even ask them <laughs> money changes no <laughs> don't, don't ask them but the point is I've never one time put Angel in a place where she sits in that front row or my kids and for them to say that man in that pulpit is not the man that lives in our home I've never given that reason to do that I've never given that reason for Angel to say I wish I, I, wish I uh, lived with the man that's up there speaking I've never given her reason to do that Oh, you don't have to be perfect. You just got to decide in your heart that you're going to live, move, and have your being in Him. 
in him and you got to start somewhere to, to get this done the first thing you've got to do you've got to surrender to the word of god and make it first place and priority in your life you cannot play games with this it, it the bible says it you know regardless of who says it's right or wrong if the bible declares that it's right had a good friend matter of fact uh no need to say his name if i said so some of you would would, would know him uh but he was raised in a quaker church friend, the friends church you know quakers the friends church the quakers they don't quake anymore <laughs> they used to quake under the power of god and now it's oatmeal but but the quakers were the of uh, the friends church and uh, this this his his dad was a pastor in a, in a friend's church matter of fact my son josh goes to a a quaker college it was founded by quakers and uh, matter of fact their baseball team is the quakers they actually wear ball hats and not black hats but that was should have been funnier than what it was i'm sorry uh, <laughs> but so at one time they were very they were very strong and his dad always told him, son, if you see something in the Word of God, even though I don't preach it, you follow it. And that's how he got filled with the Holy Ghost. That's how he started walking in the gifts of the Spirit. That's how he started getting this, and he started getting that. And his dad, they had multiple kids. I don't know, like eight, nine, ten kids or something. And his dad says, I believe with all of my heart, God is so good that he'll let you, let you to have the amount of kids you want and he'll make sure he provides for them if you walk with him life won't life shouldn't be in struggle for us every day see you got to decide how long do you want life to just be a struggle god wants us out of the fight he wants us out of the struggle i call it a sweatless anointing god wants us to be able to walk through life face obstacles but not live in a struggle we got to be able to live in victory and not in a constant struggle a constant struggle I kept cards are still on my desk the same cards I've had these cards for 30 years the 3 by 5 index cards 30 years I kept them in my pocket back even when I was working in construction off and on to help make ends meet so to speak and it was the prayers of Paul the prayers in Ephesians 1, the prayers in Ephesians 3, the prayers in, in uh, Philippians, and the prayers in uh, Colossians. Had four. The, those prayers. So two in Ephesians, one, one in Colossians, one in Philippians. And I'd keep them in my back pocket all the time. And every chance I got, I'd pull them out. They'd get sweaty. They'd dry. I'd pull them out, and I'd read them. I'd be stopped at a red light, stoplight. I'd read them. I'd be at a train crossing. I'd get them out and I'd read them. Why would I read them so much? You should have had them memorized. Can I did have them memorized. But I kept reading them. I kept reading them. Why? I wasn't, I wasn't trying to memorize. I was getting the revelation of what Paul was praying 
for the church of Ephesus, the church of Colossae, the church at Philippi. I wanted the revelation of what he was giving them. I wanted to become life inside of me. I wasn't looking for a transactional thing with God. I was looking for a transformational thing. People, it's almost like they're, I just, I mean, just transact something with God. It's not a transaction with God. It's a transformation with God. And so that's how I've decided to live. Now, to move in into this, to become spiritual, you've got to become people of prayer. You've got to pray. You've got to be able to hear God. You've got to be able to talk to God. I always had the desire to pray. I remember Pastor Rothwell, I used to stay in his house a lot. I lived in his house for a while. And he'd come down and hear us just praying in the basement. I prayed, but I didn't know how to pray. What I mean, I didn't know how to pray. I cried out to God, but it's like there's things about prayer that I want to know. I didn't want this just to be a... A, uh, a, just a crying out, God help me, God help me, God help me. How do I now use this time of prayer to not only talk to God, but work with God? How do I work with God in this? When I went to uh, Bible school, Rama, in the fall of 85, uh, I, I was in this duplex, this three-bedroom duplex, and I had two roommates. One of them came from Stockton, California. One was from St. Louis, East St. Louis, actually on the Illinois side of Missouri, uh, in that area. And so uh, I'm crying out to God, man. I'm crying out to God. I get into a closet and just crying out to God. And uh, my one roommate, he would, uh, he got up on a chair and went back into to the event and into a vent. And said, Ken, this is God. I'm not deaf. I guess I must have just been crying out to God. That's all I wanted. Well, I started attending Brother Hagin's prayer school. Never missed prayer school. Never missed prayer school. It didn't matter if I worked up to 2 o'clock in the morning. I worked my first year in a grocery store. Did some third shift work to stock grocery just so I can uh, have, have funds to go to school on. And you get off work at 6 o'clock in the morning, and you still shower, and you still go to school. The second year, I flipped hamburgers at Wendy's. I worked all the way to the drive-thru closed at 2 o'clock. And I went home smelling like hamburgers and chili. But I'm still up at 6.30 praying before I go to school at 8 o'clock. What motivates you to do that? I didn't need to get up at 6 to pray. All I know I had to do is go to school and pass the test. But I was looking for something more than just school. I wanted to know this God that I'm preaching about, that I'm sharing with people about. I wanted to know. And see, it's not about, most of you may never be behind a pulpit, but you're going to be with people all the time. And if you don't know this God the way that you should know God, how are you going to articulate and help people? 
How, how are you going to help people about God being the healer if, you're, if you only have mental assent about God being healer? How can you be able to help people that God is delivered if you just have mental assent of God being delivered? Or you're delivered one minute, you're back into the hell the next, and you're delivered one minute, you're back into the trouble the next. You've got to know how to live consistent and live spiritual in your walk with God. God is bringing the body of Christ to a different level. And I'm going to do everything I can to help get us there. Because I don't know. I don't want to just keep having church as usual where you got the same thing and the same schisms and the same arguments, the same this and that. There's got to be more than that. There are just few in the outside the world that are still hanging out there. And so I made a commitment that I was going to learn to pray. I was going to learn to pray. And it got to the place to where prayer became so powerful. God became so real. I remember a particular time, not to live in the past, because it didn't stay in the past. I'm telling you where it started. You've got to know where to start. I'd go to prayer school and I'd lay down and Keith Moore uh, was teaching prayer school. Brother Hagin would be in there at times. Keith Moore would be in there. I'm talking about some of the people that people know today that are, that are very well known. Patsy Caminetti, she was Patsy Beerman then. She was there. Different people that were in prayer school t teaching. They would, they'd get lost. I'd say, men are up here praying, but where are they at? I had a friend. He's in heaven now. Uh, he was, uh, he was from Fort Lauderdale. I'd hit bite me over to pray, and I'd just stop praying and listen to him. I'm thinking, man, there's his body, but where's he at? Thinking, man, he's, his body's here, but he's in the presence of God. This man is, he's, in, he's with God, conversing and talking like he's talking to a friend, like God talking to Abraham. It, don't that sound just fun? And not just a struggle in life. I'm going to show you a little bit tomorrow how to get into that. I'm going to show you tomorrow a little bit how to get into that. And I'd lay down and I thought, I'm just going to lay prostrate before God. Keith Moore would say, here it goes, God. It's, it's, there's a shift coming. There's a shift coming. I'm going. It is? Okay. I didn't know anything after the shift. I did before the shift. I'm just being honest as can be. Nothing shifted. And then they would start praying in like an almost a different language. They was already praying in tongues. It's almost like a different intensity. That shift was, I had no connection to it. And I remember crying out to God, my God, I don't know if I can do this. And I come in here because I'm staying up late working. I get up early. And we're praying, and I'm laying before God. Next thing I know, something happens. I shake myself, and I've been asleep. Only thing I've left is a slobber puddle. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I don't know if I ever get this. I don't know if I ever get this. And they kept talking about God showed us today on what direction we're going to go in prayer. I'm thinking he did 
And I hungered for that so much, Peter. I hungered for that. There was something in me, and I didn't want to just be a preacher. I wanted to walk with God. The thing that changed my life wasn't Kenneth Hagin's preaching on faith. It was his walk with God that changed my life. I never met a man that talked to God face to face like him. He had a lady in there called Jeannie Wilkerson. I'd never been around an anointing like that. And I just kept saying, it's there. It's there. I know it's there. My flesh not wanting to participate, and I just kept doing it. Until it got to the place to where time become timeless. And I, I and there was, I remember it started happening. I started praying, and next thing I know, the sunlight was breaking through the window. And I'm still walking with God. And I'm still praying. And I had some, uh, I was there by myself. My other two roommates were out. One, one worked, one didn't. One had enough money to come to school without working. And uh, I, I'm, I'm in the house, and they called me down the street. Some friends of mine that were going to move wanted me to help move this big waterbed. And I'm just walking and praying, not even realizing the atmosphere. I've shared this before here, I believe. And I went to walk out the door, and it's almost like... I left somebody sitting there and I forgot to tell them goodbye or tell them I'm going back and I don't know what it was I was going out the door and I paused and I came back past the little hallway past the little kitchen to the living room there and I could have just sat there and set it outside but it was so real to me I did this now Lord you know they just called me and they need some help I'm going, as if he didn't know now this is where it got to Uh, I'm going to go help them, but I'll be right back. Almost like, stay here, don't go nowhere. <laughs> and I couldn't wait to get right back in there. It wasn't about dreams and visions. It was about walking with God. Walking with God. I was so disconnected. Knew nothing like this. But I was determined that I was not going to just be another preacher, just another believer. I wanted to know my God and be strong and see exploits. That's what I wanted. That's what I wanted. God, it was like constant Holy Ghost school. And see, when, when you take that hunger... And you take the word of God and put it together. Now you become more of a whole person. Because you're not just praying in tongues. You're praying scripture. You're praying what he said. The word of God becomes your prayer manual. I tell people the more word you have, the more prayer you can pray. The word becomes a prayer manual. Even as you start praying. In the Holy Ghost. I started reading stories about Smith Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth had a wife. His name was, her name was Polly. Anybody read the stories? She told Smith. She said, Smith, sometime I get so caught over into the realm of the Spirit. I don't know if I can get back. And I heard other stories about being in that area. And heard stories about a couple from Minnesota area. The Halversons. 
Phil and Vern Halverson. And uh, I've read, read their books and, and how they would get so far over into the spirit. And she said, I don't know if I ever get back. Well, Phil Halverson was praying on the platform of Mac Hammond. And they were so caught up in the spirit of God. When they got done praying, he was still kneeling. Come and find out, he never came back to his body. I don't know if it just, they don't know what happened. But I just know I heard too many testimonies prior to that. To take for granted that he had a heart attack or whatever. He left. And so Polly said, sometimes Smith, sometimes I get so in the spirit. I don't know if I can get back. My spirit soars with God. My spirit soars with God. I'm praying that hunger is getting on you right now. To not just be a mere Christian. You know what? Financially, what you don't want to live, do is live from paycheck to paycheck. Don't live from one spiritual experience to the next. Come on, you get your coffers full of this. You become strong in this. I'm laying in my room at night and I came in just praying. The presence of God's so thick in the room. I'm praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. It's almost as if God was present there physically. And I remember saying, Lord, I believe if I'd ask you to just take me right now, I'd have an Enoch experience. As soon as I said that, I shook myself thinking, oh my God, what if I get out here and I can't get back? And almost like this thing hit me like, I don't know if I even know how to go there. But God showed me there's places in me you've never been, son. Or you've never been. And there's places that God has for his people. But God needs to get the carnality out of the church. He's got to get spirituality back in the people. Where we know how to walk with God. But the enemy's been able to keep strife and division and hurts and everything else so active in people that they cannot navigate anymore with God. If you're carrying past hurts, I'd get them fixed immediately. And get on your journey with God. Because God has one for you. I've had people ask me, I've shared that story. Do you think you would have? I don't know if I think I would have. The point was, it was so real to me at that point. It didn't matter what I thought. The point was, the revelation of spiritual things were so great that it almost alarmed me. This being so spiritually minded, you know, earthly good, it's a bunch of religious hogwash. I've never seen anybody truly spiritually minded that wasn't effective in life. Presumed spiritually people become nothing good for anyone. But true holy people become an asset to the kingdom of God and to lost society. True holy people. God said, be holy, for I am holy. I'm so aware of wanting my hands to remain clean. I remember God dealt with me a long time ago. When you lay hands on people, I want you to be aware of having clean hands and a pure heart. I don't mean dirt. I've walked around the bushes of Kenya, of Africa, the jungles of Indonesia. You get dirty, but it's the purity that you walk in. 
God's the God to deliver you out of everything. But you have to want this deliverance. Amen? There's not a person here that Jesus Christ hadn't paid a price for for you to go free and for you to live in victory. But I want you to hunger for God. They that thirst and hunger for righteousness shall be filled. Shall be filled. I know what it was like to get so busy doing that I quit being with God. And God corrected me. That's when I said another change in my life was when he said, son, you do so much for me, but very little with me anymore. That's when I started charting my course again to get back on track. You know, everybody has cell phones now, the navigation on your phones. People don't buy the little Garmin window stick-up things anymore because we just have those. But used to, it would say, if you made a wrong turn, recalculating. Recalculating. Phones don't do that now. They just pick up where you're at. That's what Garmin did and all the other ones. But it would say, recalculating. Recalculating. Pastor Dave and I were in San Diego. <laughs> we're going to go after Holy Ghost service. Wanting to go get some food. We're heading south to the border. We're supposed to be going north. And the GPS is saying, turn around at the next exit. Turn around at the next exit. I eventually said, are we going the right direction? Yeah, I think so. According to this, <laughs> it's telling us not. We're getting direct information and we still ignored it. <laughs> Am I right? That apparently got so used to that woman's voice. He knew where he was at. He was self-deceived. <laughs> After three times, I'm thinking, David, are we going the wrong direction? Oh, no. Oh, I, according to this, we're going the wrong direction. Uh, we've had fun with that, haven't we? That was many years ago. So what you got to do is notice none of those nabs ever said recalculating. Start from the beginning. It always redirected you from that point. We don't have to go back to the beginning. But we got to make a decision on how to change our course from this point now. This is where God wants us to go from right now. And that's what he has for us. Amen? 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 Amen. Did this help anybody? Yeah. All right. Well, let's stand together. Come on. Oh, reminiscing messes me up. See, I done had all those encounters when I met Pastor Dave in this church. I was young, bold, boisterous, had wavy hair. Honestly, I did had curly hair, wave curls. It was always permed. I'm telling you the truth. I always wanted to, I didn't like wrinkles. I always liked to look right, but I did. I had curly hair until I hit my 40s. Then it started getting thin. I'd never struggled with something more in my life than my hair going thin. And then, you know, 
Pastor David walks off an airplane and meets me in in Amsterdam, going with me to Africa. He said, I'll meet you at your gate. I said, all right. Not knowing that morning that he left, he went totally bald. <laughs> I walked right by him, apparently. I'm walking, looking. All of a sudden, somebody taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, oh, hey, my God. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, I'm just not ready for that. <laughs> but then, one day I decided, I'm not going to have this. If it goes, it's going. So, but the point is, back then, young, you're stronger. But I've told more than one person, I wouldn't go back to those days, as great as the experience was. I wouldn't. That's where I learned. That was my, that was boot camp. I wouldn't go back to that. People want to go back to something because it was better. It should never be better. Though this outward man goes bald. The inward man is being renewed day by day. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to be like Caleb at 80. Give me that mountain. Hallelujah. This next birthday, I'm going to celebrate to the hilt. It's going to be my favorite birthday. That's because I'm going to do something that the other two men in my family didn't do. My dad went to heaven two and a half months where he was 58. My brother last November went to heaven one month before he was 58. When I turn 58 next year, I'm going to shout my way all the way through it. Come on. My brother got up every day, I guess, and told the people he worked with, you know, my dad died at 50 before he's 58. I'm, he's 57 now. He's late in 57. I don't know if I'm going to have to make it. I wake up every day in fear that I won't make it. And I'm in Africa, South Africa, last November, and I get a phone call. He had a heart attack. He never recovered consciousness. It took me three days to get out of Africa. I got home on a Sunday, and he passed Wednesday. He passed November 16th. Six months after my mother passed away. Last year was a tough year. Six months after my mom passed away. November 16th. He'd have been 58 December 13th. But folks, there's no fear. Though this outward man, the inward man, is being renewed day by day. 58, 68, 78, 88. It's going to keep rolling. As long as the rapture don't take place, we live. We live. And you live off the life of God. Off the life of God. God's got things for you that you never, never dreamed you could have. But all you've got to do is believe. Is believe. I want everybody together with me tonight. Come on. I don't do this. I want everybody together up here tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Get your families together. Get, get closer. You can just get people in there. You can come on closer to the front. I'm not going to walk in front of you. Come on. Just move a little bit closer so people can get in there. I'm not going to move in front. I just want to pray over says one united family tonight. I'm going to ask you, if you got any odd against one another, I wouldn't leave this place tonight. If you carried hurts, I would leave it at this altar tonight. You know, we used to sing a song in Pentecost, the old book song, Bring Your Burdens to the Lord. 
and leave them there. Leave them there. You know, somewhere you got to decide this weight's not worth carrying anymore. I decided a while ago, I told Angel, I said, I, I'm, I'm, for the sake of my kids, for the sake of grandkids, I'm going to keep my body healthy. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do my part naturally, and I'm going to do my part spiritually. Come on, I'm not going to continue to carry stuff that I don't need to carry. I'm not going to carry stuff that I don't need to carry. It's not the will of God for us to carry this. You are a copy. The covenant of God's peace. The covenant of wholeness. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Don't just get used to seeing Kopi. You better understand. It's still Isaiah 54 10. It's the covenant of God's peace. That's what it is. It's not a new name like the river, the ridge, the fountain. It's the covenant of God's peace. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. In righteousness they shall know me. In righteousness you shall be far from oppression. And from fear, from terror, it shall not come near you. That's the covenant of God's peace. Every now and again, your mind, because we get so used to using Kopi. I don't want to just become Kopi. Every now and again, we've got to remind us that we are the covenant. We have the covenant of God's peace come on just like saying I'm a Christian every now and again you got to stir people up I'm a Christian Christian I'm part of the body of Christ the anointed one oh, you got to keep the revelation in your spirit so whatever you got to leave you leave it right here father I thank you I stretch my hands out over your people I decree in the name of Jesus that the covenant of your peace, the covenant of your peace, the covenant of your peace be upon us. It's an everlasting covenant. It will never cease. It will never surrender. It's the covenant of peace. I thank you, Father, that your anointing heals. It transforms. It changes. And I pray that everyone that's carrying anything that's not of you, I command it to be left right here, to be destroyed, never going home with them again. Father, I speak victory over everyone. In the name of Jesus. Say with me, in righteousness, in righteousness I, shall be established. I shall be established. I shall be far from oppression. And from fear, and from terror, it shall not come near me. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Amen. You believe? Well, we've got to do something about being spiritual because the carnal mind don't understand these things. And God needs us to. Amen. Pastor David, come on. I've done stirred and twisted and prodded and...